Welcome to the Cedar and Porch Real Estate Investment Podcast. I'm the host, Shona Lepis. Follow along as we unpack and demystify real estate investment strategies through expert interviews and personal experience. From how to find off-market deals to creative financing to long-term and mid-term rentals. Our goal is to educate and inspire others to gain financial freedom and generational wealth through real All right. I am super excited to have the power couple on, Kurt McLaughlin and Jennifer Florent. They are super active in the Portland real estate investment community, and they are founder of Invest Northwest. And they're just really interesting people doing cool stuff. And I will let them do some intros and chat about what they're up to. Hi, I'm Jennifer Florent. I am a licensed realtor. I'm a Kyla Williams do a lot of investment type real estate, mostly lots of running numbers and analysis on that end and selling our finished products when they're ready to go. I'm Kurt Buffin, and I have a heavy construction background. So that's pretty much what I've done most of my life is both commercial and then residential real estate. And then more recently have found my kind of passion for design interior for, especially for residential property. Awesome. You guys are like the perfect couple that those two like backgrounds. <laughs> like super valuable because you got to run numbers and design is so important you guys do so much and I love to focus on what you've done from building a community like I think that's so important I think sometimes we forget that we get so caught up in our own kind of stuff but do you guys want to talk about how you founded Invest Northwest and the conference you have coming up and what was the inspiration behind that yeah I'm a visionary if people know that's a, a term used to describe what people would typically say an artist is. So details are definitely a hard thing for me to gather up. So I constantly have a lot of ideas and big picture stuff. And then, yeah, as we started down this investing road, one of the things that was going on was COVID and the community just wasn't here. There wasn't a lot of interaction with other people and I just wanted more information. I really just wanted a jolt of, of seeing other people as well. So we decided that uh, we were just going to start a meetup, that meetup, that monthly meetup, just to see people and interact with others that are in the same space that we're in. And then that rolled into, we don't have a conference or any big event here in our area in Portland and Northwest that's really be helpful to, to gather all this information. And then Jennifer stepped in and had the ability to organize some of that and follow up with all the little details that I am definitely not good at. <laughs> <laughs> that's... Yeah, it's the whole EOS thing, the integrator and the visionary, right? Yeah, that's the- <laughs> yeah. I, I tried to integrate. I'm a firm believer in education and networking. And I, when I first heard about the conference, I was like, oh, it's my backyard. It's 15 minutes away. It was really exciting. So I guess just speaking to the power of, of education and networking in your guys' journey, how do you think that's helped you along or what have you gained from it? I tell people all the time, people ask me what we get from the conference and really it's a, it's a pay for itself event. So we charge just enough to get everything covered and make sure everybody gets a really valuable event without having to buy junk when you're there. And the biggest benefit I get is the one-on-one time with all of these speakers. Like it's just almost invaluable to get to have these conversations, get to hear their thoughts. It's one thing to listen to someone present for an hour, but it's another thing to have this kind of off-the-cuff conversation for just hearing their real thoughts without putting stuff together. So that's probably the biggest benefit I feel like I get from creating this network and this event. When we started our first meetup, it was pretty much very intentional that we did it face-to-face. That's why our it's really called face-to-face. It was the middle of summer 2021 and everybody was still wherever they were and nobody was really doing anything. And so we had our own projects. It's not like we had to meet at a public space or anything. So we started our meetups at our project houses and went from there and did a lot of, did a monthly one after that. And the more that we did that, the more it became apparent that we needed to do something on a larger scale in Portland, because there really isn't anything as far as a formal conference goes in the investor space. There's some other events in, that happen here and there, but I don't think that anything that's a full day event that gets you so much content. I'm sorry, our dog is a... <laughs> <laughs> next to us. <laughs> wants to contribute. But yeah, so the networking itself is just... It, I don't want to say it, it's not necessarily like the opening the doors thing or anything, but it's just like the connection between all of the different facets. There's a million different ways to do real estate investing. There's a million different ways to fund it. There's a million different ways to source it and everything. And this just brings everybody together and lets people cross the right paths at the right times and gets 
everybody to come together and share what their focus and skills are and put those pieces together. I love that. I forgot like COVID. I remember I started during COVID too, and I was so eager for connecting because everything was on Zoom. And I was like, yeah, I was like, oh, there's a networking event. Like, it was really. <laughs> I was That's what like... we were getting the. We were getting that from some other people too, and we we're just like, all right, whatever. We have our own venue. Let's just do this. So I think it's really original that you guys were hosting it at your own spaces that you create. Because I think people love to see that finished stuff, and you guys do beautiful work. And that's mostly it's like at a bar or something, but to actually be in the space and get to show it off. And yeah, you know, we've done it in all different, all different phases. No, just to the studs and eating off of literally saw horses with plywood across the top or with tacos and stuff and then halfway finished to completely on the market and stage so because going from that those points right you see this beautiful product and behind the scenes is pretty messy right you don't always see yeah real life hgtv (laughs) it's like you just see the beautiful tile and it's just like you flipped your fingers and it was done right i love also that you guys are just about taking action and i think that's really important i think there's so many strategies and the toolbox in this industry is really big so what are some of the things that i think maybe a newer investor could take away to get started like from this conference maybe i think that's sometimes you get overwhelmed by all the options out there yeah what i see a lot of people is they lurk on the facebook forums or the other forums they're trying to get some information and i think they don't quite understand how much other people want that connection as well. And so just reaching out and finding a way to have coffee or meet for lunch or get into a meetup. I think most people think that there's like some formal setting and they get asked these specific questions. But personally, I find the most value comes from even with talking with mentors and talking with coaches, like just that average conversation that every day, oh my God, I was feeling this leads to some epiphanies that wouldn't have come up in like a, these are the 10 questions you ask every day. It's, we were at an event a few weeks ago and maybe go back to my notes in the phone. And one of my notes, I'm not sure why I even got into it, was talking about the raindrops and the consistency of the raindrops are what can cut holes in rocks. And those little things that we hear that kind of speak to us that are not these typical set keynotes or words of wisdom that we hear from the Robert Kiyosaki's or the Brandon Turner's of our world, but just they come from everywhere and they have huge impact and different impact for different people. And to that same note, like as we build our own tribe, like we get to have experience from everybody else that's in our area or region, or we're doing the same thing. And it, those things mean who you're using for your financing, who you're using for contractors who your wholesalers, what strategies we're working on or what's coming up. When we get stuck in one little avenue and one venue, we only use one contractor, we only use one bank, we only do one strategy, it pigeonholes us into what the 2008 market crash was, like stuck in this one thing. And the reality is that there's so many ways to make money and to be successful, but what we're comfortable with is what we typically do. So the more we get introduced to those things by other people doing it, the more it opens our mind and we get an expansive curiosity to try new and different things and security by having someone who's done it that way and the ability to ask questions and partner go down those avenues without actually just jumping off this cliff and building a parachute on the way. You get to have, you get to hold, you get six people to jump off the cliff together. (laughs) Yeah, I think a lot of, at least on my side, he's the visionary, I'm more of the analytical integrator type. And that with that comes the whole realm of analysis paralysis. And I think that a lot of new people that have no experience really get bogged down in that and don't know how to get over that. And then once that actually happens, you realize what was I over thinking for all of this time. And it's a lot easier than I thought it was. And I wish I would have done this two years ago, that kind of mentality. There's been a lot of that for me, even personally, jumping into my first one a few years ago and everything, just getting over that first initial hump. And that's basically the essence of our conference is that action step. Take that one step and, or take that next step. If you're in in the middle of a rut or a certain style of investing and you want to try something else, take that step, get out of your head and 
find your community and ask the questions and then take the action. Yeah, especially right in the market shifted so much. I think we all are pivoting, yeah. right? It's really, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think every <laughs> single one of us is reevaluating and hunkering down in some areas that we know are working. And then really it's a time to innovate on our plans and be the ones to be able to pivot and show people how to do it is where we've landed is helping people make the connections, be the, being the facilitators of people making those connections and putting this together so that people can do what they want to do and meet the right people and meet the right partners and get on their investing journey or further down their investing journey. Yeah, for sure. I know last year when I went, I came across Jeff Stevens and I'd heard of him. He was just like elusive. My jaw just pretty much dropped during his whole presentation. It was all about like negotiation and owner carry. And it just, it made so much sense. My whole like marketing strategy has changed because of going to that conference, basically. I think I was exposed to stuff. And then I came across like Greg Pinio, right? At some other event. I think you guys were presenting at that. Maybe it was one of them anyway, but yeah, I think definitely from exposing yourself and in person too, there's those connections that you just don't get if you're down some YouTube rabbit hole or Facebook group or something. Yeah, definitely. I think one of the things that people are afraid of in public speaking and networking and meeting other people is being found out as a fraud. Yes, yeah. I'm, I'm not always, I'm not, <laughs> some aspect. We say, I'm not an expert, so no one would <laughs> want to hear what I have to say. And I think it's quite the opposite. We don't want to see experts we want to see people who have succeeded, but we also want to see people who failed and hear both stories. You can go from zero to a rental. You can go from 10 rentals to 20, and you can go from 30 to zero and we can survive. It's okay to lose. It's okay to fail. And you're not going to die from it. Did you die? We, want, <laughs> we all want to hear those. I want to relate to those things. I want to relate to someone who's doing it. I want to see like this big mass presentation of how I syndicated 5,000 units and I'm a billionaire. It's just, it's hard to believe. Perfection is boring. <laughs> it is so true. Yeah, you're like, you had 200 doors and it was all owner carry and it just had, fell on my lap. I just knew and everything that... just fell magically into place and right. we all just ran and rode out to the sunset. <laughs> Financially independent. <laughs> Even when it's not, it was, it was so easy and it just fell on my lap. Like luck, we talk about luck and a lot of people do. It's like luck is really hard work. And when it all falls into place, it's because of all the preparation you've done. Olympic athletes are not Olympic athletes because they went to the Olympics and won the gold medal. It's because they put 10 years of hard work and five coaches and the things they did every day to become the luckiest person of the day. It's just not. And so we love watching that Olympic gold piece, but we also love the documentary following them. Of, oh my God, they got up at 3.30 every morning, seven days a week, 365 <laughs> days a year for four years talk about lucky yeah are you willing to dedicate yourself to be that lucky it's not the lottery and there's a reason that lottery winners go bankrupt after three years the millionaire next door that you had no idea was a millionaire lives in the same house with the same 10 year old car and has the same phone that the, the iphone 3 you know it's like these people are these unsuspecting millionaires that just do it every day yeah, it's that favorite. The best definition of luck that I ever heard was when preparation meets opportunity. Yes. And that's basically the essence of it. You can't, sure, there are just random coincidences here and there, but the real essence of luck is those two crossroads right there. Which is one of the things about the we, I talk a lot about exposure, a lot of the conference content, a lot of our meetup content, we go to other meetups. We go to four other meetups regularly, monthly. So that means we host one and go to four on a regular basis. And then every quarter we go to a, essentially an out-of-state event. And every year we go to a big event, that, a big conference that's not ours. And that exposure helps us see what's out there, see what other opportunities are. Because when opportunity knocks on your door, if you don't know it's an opportunity, you don't open the door. And that's one of the biggest things that people who are coming into this coming into real estate, they're like, and personally, my biggest holdback was when I went to my first conference, a fan Merrill flipped this house conference was like, or event, three-day event was, I understand getting lucky and getting a wholesale house off the market for 30% below retail, basically at a 70% ARV one time in my life. Like, I understand that. But what you're telling me is that 
I'm supposed to find one of these houses every month? That's impossible. There's not that many. And then you're in this room of 100 people and you start realizing that half of them have done that this year. And you're like, wow, that means that there's 50 of these. And then you start putting that into different markets. It's like the reality of it is just, for me, it was hard to accept. And it was the biggest limiting belief I had coming into the whole thing. So it, just the eye-openingness of what opportunity could be. And then when it shows up, like jumping on it, like taking the get, get the data, <laughs> do your analysis. And if the analysis is anywhere near, if it meets your criteria, jump, don't wait because waiting two or three weeks, come back around and we'll, you'll find out that uh, someone else took the opportunity. So that is so true. Yeah, I love that. And if you, the opportunity, if you don't know what it is, you're not going to see it. You have to, and if you haven't been exposed to it, that is so true. Yeah, I can think of multiple times where if I hadn't been educated or been exposed to something, I wouldn't have known how to like say, hey, if you worried about capital gains and we have some ways to work around. Back into the analysis paralysis rabbit hole. If you don't take the action in the, in the beginning, I was in the middle of reading a book right now. And that's one of the things is make the decision because there's the decision that you make in the first 30 seconds of doing something. And then you sit there for the next two weeks overanalyzing <laughs> and 95% of the time you go back and make the initial decision that you wanted to make within the first 30 seconds. So it's... <laughs> interesting to see that in writing in a book and be like yeah I've done that a million times <laughs> right, okay I have to ask what book is that it sounds like a good relentless, relentless. Okay. Grover. awesome okay <laughs> it's a basketball book mostly but <laughs> <laughs> subject matter wise but there are some really good valuable nuggets in there about how to keep performing yeah, no, it's so true. And I think when you take that action, you can figure it out once you're in it. And sometimes you don't even know what you need to figure out until you take that action. Like the things like, I don't know, what are your, I, I don't know, I've dealt with some crazy stuff. What are, what's an example for you guys? You just took some action. You're like, holy, I don't know. We got in. I'm curious if you have an example of that. I have a current example. We have three houses currently for sale. So cash poor, asset rich, right? Another deal falls into our lap. What do we do? We need 50 grand. Do we, do we risk money that we have said we're not going to risk? Or what point do I even follow through on this deal to look even further? And the simple question is like, we, we network all the time. We know a ton of people. Do I make a phone call? Do I literally search on my phone, partner investor? Oh, look at that. 10 people come up. Second position, a private phone money lender. Oh yeah, seven people come up. Like who's looking for an opportunity and is there enough for them to, or geez, do I know someone else who's looking for a flip right now? And if this is successful, will they pay me for the finder's fee? Is this, again, there's 16 different options because we've met so many people and we have so many contacts. So. Yeah, it really just opens the door to a hundred different scenarios rather than just one that you think is the only option in your head or, oh, th this is impossible to do right now because we don't have, I have all of this bogged down on this side. That's not really the truth, but you wouldn't know that if you weren't in the community, if you weren't at the networking events, if you weren't making connections and weren't going to education events to see what the other possibilities were, you would be stuck in that one, in that one play that's not even a play. So putting those pieces together and having that exposure and having those networking experiences consistently and just building the relationships that we've been able to build and been privileged to build over the past few years, doing this and being in the trenches with it and everything has just been an eye-opening experience for us, at least for me recently of getting out of the investor, just the investor focused mind and really looking at the overall, looking at it from a community's perspective of instead of we're looking at it from like a deal perspective, looking at it from a networking perspective and just seeing what the possibilities are when you're looking through that lens versus, oh, what are the deal? What's the numbers? What's the, how much cash does this really need? Yeah. It's like a very different way to approach something. Yeah. That's so yeah. interesting. Yeah. Yes. And it's mindset, right? It's like, there's ways to crack something. Back to your specific example, 10 months ago, you were excited to go to a conference that was local in your back door. And two months later, your mind's blown about how you do real estate and the expansiveness and opportunity can totally change what your new vision is. All from exposure to two people, even though the pathway was through a hundred people. It was really finding those two people that really resonated with you and gave you the opportunity to open your mind to something different. 
This podcast was brought to you by the Midterm Rental Playbook course. The Midterm Rental Essential Nest teaches real estate investors how to set up and fully book your first midterm rental with great guests so you can have to 2x your cash flow. We cover the basics from planning and how to set up your first midterm rental, how to self-manage and get direct bookings and keep more profit, and how to launch your first midterm rental. Learn more and sign up at the midtermrentalplaybook.com. It's so true because I just, in my experience, I started out with the like, hey, I did a course, right? Facebook got me wholesale flipping. It's so easy. 70% minus repairs. And I'm like, when it was like, put up bandit signs, SMS, RVM, and it just felt wasn't, for me, it didn't work. It didn't feel like the right kind of marketing. And then being exposed to other kinds of marketing and ways to work directly off market was like, it felt right. And I had to find those strategies by going to events and like your guys' events. It's just like you all online, I think you hear the really sexy strategies like, oh, you just wholesale and it's so easy. And it may work for you, right? But if it doesn't feel right, you might need to explore other strategies. And that's to me, the power of networking and being exposed to that stuff. I think the biggest thing as a, as people were suckered into this wealth without work and I think any which quick get rich quick scheme any any time but we want that it's like we, we want the results without the work and there's a lot of times we can get the results without the work but easy come easy go and when you don't learn how to change how to evolve and how to practice those hard steps you don't get lasting results and so it's I hear people all the time really bogging really dogging coaches and mentors and classes and I think there's so many bad ones out there that give bad reps but really without the good ones we don't get that repetition in the quality and the hard work and repeated correct practice is what gets us the long-lasting results and so really sorting through the good coaching and the bad coaching is, is probably the thing to learn and then consistent quality practice means that, that the quality and results so i think just being around the people that are doing is the biggest key being around the people that are actually doing taking the reps and doing the activities and making the moves and buying the buying buying the deal figuring it out and getting and getting bogged down in it and doing the dirty work is the most interesting part of it. I was listening to a podcast, another podcast the other day and they're like, if you knew that you were going to succeed, if you were sitting here and knew that you were going to succeed, what would you do differently? Or what would you not worry about? And he's, and he's honestly, I don't think it would do anything different because the things that I've learned between where I was and where I am now have been the invaluable things, the failures, the, the chances, the risks, the connections, the victories, everything. It's all part of this whole life slash business world <laughs> that we're trying to build for ourselves. And so it's just interesting perspective. If you knew you weren't going to fail, would you do different? And would you do anything different? And that perspective is really great because when you can't, when you, part of the satisfaction, I think of all of this is overcoming all of the things and mm -hmm. getting to the finish line and selling the house and getting all of that and knowing that all of the show that went on <laughs> prior <laughs> me out on that one. So true. It worked out somehow. And so you survived this one or this one ended up being a success. So let's go on to the next one. And we dealt with 16 different curveballs in this one. So what's just what's the next one gonna bring? Becomes the mentality rather than the fear of failure. It becomes the okay, what's next? <laughs> and then when it presents itself, I knew something was coming. <laughs> this is just what we're gonna have to do. But it's just that next, like taking the next step, putting the putting your foot in front of the one foot in front of the other, and just keep moving forward and taking the, that action and making those connections and finding those assets that you need to keep moving. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah, and the worst of things we come across to make the best stories, and you're almost the most proud of the things that just went off the rails, or you discover there's no sewer line. You're like, okay, we can put it, that's fixable, right? <laughs> it's just a sewer line. It's not, yeah, unsolvable, right? Yeah. So yeah, power of networking again, Kirk, just going back to what you're saying about coaches and mentors. Like I, I definitely, I have, I've been, I feel like I value all the education, but I wouldn't I have so much knowledge from being exposed to events and paying for some stuff that's still on credit cards, but I feel like 
if you really want to succeed and build the legacy and actual assets you need, you do need to invest in the conferences because flipping and wholesaling, I feel like I'm always raging. They're just jobs, right? They're not building a long-term asset. So I think it's so important. And you get, and you see someone talk, you can connect with them and say, I like their energy and I like what they're talking about. It's a very different, I think, vibe. And you really can know if maybe you would want to learn more, take their program or whatever it is. Yeah, not just learning from them speaking at that moment, but being in the same room with other people that are learning with them. Or if you're working one-on-one, like the rest of their students, like just that kind of community is, it's a different perspective, maybe a different area, but still practicing the same thing. So being able to reach out to them, have those kind of conversations. I had a an awesome friend over here this last week, a bunch of us got together and we're all kind of real estate junkies and kind of the laughable takeaway was this three hour kind of fun game night was the therapy session. And those things just, <laughs> we need to talk about them sometimes, even though we don't realize that we need to talk about them. And sometimes spouses and family and friends, they just, they don't understand the stress and the thoughts that we go through. And you don't always want to share everything with them either. People are not always in the same place, especially successes. Like it's hard to share successes with friends and family who already think that you're this rich investor because you've done one flip deal and you made $1,500 and you risked 50000 But you're in real estate, so you want to- You got money, right? <laughs> money bags, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> there's a lot of commonality in being able to share those things with other people that are going through this similar stuff. Yeah. I feel like we think we're on islands. So a lot of times we are working somewhat so like we have a team, but yeah, it's like just being able to be like, Hey, like being, it just, it's nice to connect and be honest. And there is that perception of even just saying I was a real estate investor took me a long time to say with a straight face without kind of cringing or like shrinking. What I, I had a lot of baggage around it now. I'm like, and I also, I maintain nice rentals and I feel like I'm doing good in the community, but not everyone sees it like that. So I think there's a lot of misconceptions and oh, because you're an investor, you're just, you're killing it all the time. Yes. Well, it's not HGTV. That's for sure. Right. <laughs> not for the faint of heart. And it's like calculated risk. And it's such a long game, right? Like Truly, I feel like you'll see the benefits of what you're doing like way down the road. I'd love to kind of like to circle back to again, I think I, I thank you guys, first of all, for doing this event. I can't imagine the back end, the amount of work and logistics, <laughs> all the stuff, but maybe what's the theme for the year? Who do you guys have? What just some kind of maybe tease it a little bit for anyone out there listening that's curious. You talked about earlier the stories of people who owned these hundreds or thousands of rentals. And one of keynote actually is Cody Davis and his partner, Christian. And they're both relatively young. By relatively young, I think Cody is 23. <laughs> and he was so young when he bought his first multifamily deal that he literally could not qualify for a bank loan. And he found a way around that. And that was through creative financing with a lot of owner participation. And he learned from that. And that wasn't his first real estate deal, but that was his first multifamily deal that I understand. And he's taken that to well over a hundred units, all creatively financed and also set up for long-term holds. So it wasn't a lot of, it wasn't hundred percent financed where there's a lot of risk. It was just creatively financed where you're using NOI for the first year to make large chunks of down payment as well. So he's, I'm excited to hear more from him and to hear the opportunity that he is willing to offer people who are learning, especially us, I'm not that old, but us older folks, I consider myself like kind of the old dog learning new tricks. And that's definitely the inspiration of just getting out there and doing the work. It's not the secret sauce of like, I paid this marketing guru to put this ad on. No, it's making the phone calls, showing up and, put, and putting the things together, taking the information back, putting it through the analysis and then saying, yes, this does meet my buy box. I'm ready to go. And he didn't even use any fancy tools in the beginning. He used Google Maps. He still does. They, to they, find his properties. They still <laughs> they find a market that they like. And they, he's, his words are, I don't have time to go drive around for dollars. I'm just going to get on my computer, use Google Maps, look for 
unmaintained properties, find out who owns them through title companies, which is all public information, and then call them. Yeah. And it, it's amazing. Just blowing the blowing that barrier to entry excuse right out of the water of, exactly. <laughs> I need this program or this app or this, this course, blah, blah, blah. No, Google Maps. <laughs> and I think back to sexy advertising of do it for no or no money down. I think that's just a lie. You got to have some money and you got to have time. You can't live without cash. So you got to have a job or some way to make money <laughs> to the same thing. You got to, once you get one of these deals together, you got to be able to go meet the owner. You got to have some kind of transportation. And you, if you're mailing letters, just throwing darts at properties like that takes some money. We're not talking about 20 grand. We're talking about thousands of dollars. So if you can't save thousands of dollars, maybe the best place to start is budgeting. And those are going to be practical skills that you're going to need when you have a multifamily property. Anyway, you're going to have to learn how to budget income versus expenses and then eventually taxes, or you're not going to keep that property. So Cody is, and Christian have some have a YouTube channel and just some awesome content that way. I'm excited to, to get them here. Jeff Stevens, you, you've alluded to just kind of master of the art of negotiation in single family and the single family area again is a lot of effort goes out to find that needle in the haystack but it's just a haystack and if you put in some work every day you're eventually going to get through it if you put in a lot of work every day you're going to get through it really fast if you do very little work every month. It's going to take ages to get through that stack. But he has some awesome content about really that art of negotiation and reframing your mindset of what we're doing. You know, we're so, have such association with words that we've created in our lifetime. And a lot of times the meanings that we've put around those words is not correct. It's just our assumption of what it is. One of my favorite words is manipulation. It's just, it feels so dirty. But it's really creatively, creatively maneuvering with language. And that doesn't mean that hiding stuff isn't a lie, but it also doesn't mean that someone else's value on property or a real asset is not completely different than yours. So we have to be not afraid to ask the questions. So true. Not and then believe the answers. Yeah, Jeff. I love Jeff. I'm like, I just, yeah. yeah just resonated yeah. because his mindset he's a mind blower for sure <laughs> yeah it was like kind of drooling because <laughs> and his background has been marketing so his deck was just very well done and I'm, I used to be a designer so I'm real picky about that stuff <laughs> so I was like who is this guy I certainly I think heard of we're him. trying to hit a lot of just a wide wider gamut this year than last year last year was like some people that were established and are I don't want to say established but maybe different genres, but like this, there's like some with Christian and Cody and being super young and doing these. And then Jeff's been established and doing this for a long time. And then we have Jesse Lee coming, who is, I love him because he's such a wild card and his story is just, it's so interesting and just so off the rails in some aspects. But I love that because people think that you have to be this person, this type of person to do this and everything, but you don't like, and he's just grinding every single day and out there putting houses on the market, bringing, rehabbing, putting houses on the market, getting, having rentals, providing housing and doing it on his own terms. And that's the best thing about watching him and his journey. And he was in bankruptcy, I think in 2012. And then he's just scaled up since then. And just his background and his dad's story and his motivation for doing things the way he wants to do them. <laughs> Red tape be damned and everything under the sun is, is super inspirational for me because I'm, that's where I fall. I'm an out of the box person. And the curse not, we don't sit here. We don't do things traditionally. And so like that really, <laughs> yeah, that really speaks to us for sure of just watching him and enjoying seeing what's his next crazy thing that he's doing or this situation with the tenant or kicking somebody out because he found him sleeping in his house or like those kinds of things of just the slogging through, but bringing that community minded person and bringing these houses and having these rentals and providing housing and just doing what needs to be done in a, in Seattle where there's so much stacked against you. And it's like Portland 
even worse than Portland. It's like this is the landlord tenant and all of those huge barriers that we find ourselves in, in these cities here in the Pacific Northwest that he's just figuring out how to get around them and how to keep moving forward. And it's pretty inspirational watching him <laughs> and his next escapade on Facebook every day. <laughs> and bringing his family into it as well. It's kind of fun to see kind of their interaction and they're, they're living with him and also experiencing it. Sometimes they're out helping. Sometimes they're just hearing. Sometimes they're participating in the conversation on Facebook, which is... Yeah. Yeah. It's That's exciting. Awesome. Yeah. This is a little bit entrepreneurial life. It's out of the box for sure. <laughs> I would say the common theme is just massive action. Yeah. You don't start that way, but in reality, that like the success comes from massive action. And on the flip side of that with Jesse is he's not to be deterred. So it's the consistency and the follow through. And on the other side of the action is keeping that, that stone moving and not letting people, let, like letting the barriers get to you. So figuring a way to get around them, figuring out how to, how to make that next move that you want to make, regardless of what somebody tells you you can or can't do necessarily in some aspect. <laughs> Another exciting person is uh, Melissa Dorman, who's in her thirties and essentially retiring early for lack of a better term just what's the term we're using now for it all of her rentals and investments are paying for her life so financial freedom <laughs> and not that she lives an exorbitant life but she also is comfortable and happy and this is like within six years of starting real estate so it was through massive action and a lot of hard work the first years were trudging through but relentless she's young gal who really understood that the effort that you put in was directly related to what you get out. And so now she's really moving a lot of her investments out of active real estate and more into passive investment because she's a not certified investor, but accredited investor. She can put her money into kind of higher returns. But then also partnering, getting into a lot of investment groups so they can really vet where these things are going. So this isn't the prince who <laughs> is offering you this huge opportunity. Now, these are well-vetted syndication groups and other groups that have put in their own massive action and are getting great return and they're providing opportunities and vessels for other people who want to be very passive, but also have great returns and, and great risk reward factors. So. She's awesome. Her story is amazing. And she's just young and vibrant and really is not afraid to talk about how difficult and she went much effort she put in. Slumming it in Uganda, doing social work to financial freedom in real estate within a five-year term or something like that. Yes. Like the transition from the social work career to into real estate and everything to where she is now is probably, I think, about a five-year. I think it was six years six. altogether. Yeah. yeah. So it's just incredible. <clears throat> But the common theme is effort, action. And the backbone of our conference is these are the action steps you can take. And if you implement them, you are going to, <laughs> you might have failure, but continued action is going to bring you success. Yeah. That even in my small little, just talking to people, it's like action. It's just take the action. That's just, yeah. it's, I mean, it's so hard to do though sometimes, right? It's just <laughs> so scary, but that's all these people took action and figured it out. I yeah, love that. I'm in an accountability, I'm in an accountability group. We meet every Monday. And one of the things that we're laughing about is some of the simplest things to do are the hardest things to get done. And it's not because there's absolutely no excuse, but it's, oh, that's so easy. I'll just take care of it tomorrow or I'll take care of it later. <laughs> or we let everything come in the way of it. One of the big actions that people in the accountability group really is date nights with their spouses, date days. And it's like, God, it's so easy to put that on the calendar, but it's so easy to put it off and not get it done. And so that, that's just interesting. <laughs> How do we beat that kind of mindset of just letting it slide? Procrastination. Procrastination, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so true, especially when you're like- Procrastination and analysis. Right. My, this is my two analysis paralysis. Those are my two vices right there. <laughs> yeah, oh, there's that book, Eat the Frog. Sometimes I'm like, just eat the frog, just do that hard thing and then I'll feel better and it gives me momentum, but it's really hard. Yeah, you sit there and hum and him and haul over it for two weeks when you, if you would have done it two weeks ago, you wouldn't have had to have all that, expend all that energy worrying about it. And yeah, it in your just, head, just- Spinning on something. Many times as I end up there, I can't seem to learn that lesson fully. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh man. Yeah. I, it sounds like we have, it's a great lineup. I'm really excited to talk about midterms, what I've learned. So how do people, how do the people find out about it? Again, it's also very cost-effective too, which I really appreciate that a lot of conferences are very expensive. So thank you for keeping it really approachable. The motivation for us is not to make money. The motivation is to just cover the cost of it on our end, really. And if things get bigger, we need to expand or something in the next year. We can talk about that then. But right now we're just trying to work on community building and giving people the opportunity and having a low barrier of entry so that people that are thinking that they can't afford things or the price is the is the obstacle, the initial obstacle that that's eliminated at least. I think people fear the bringing too many other people into the market or having competition. And I think the reality of that is, is there's just so much opportunity that the bigger our community, the bigger, the more eyes we have looking for it, the more that is going to come into it. And we just, we don't, we can't do all of the projects. We can't do take all of the, take advantage of everything that's coming. Like we're not midterm rental experts. We're not commercial experts. We're not multifamily experts yet. So like the more we can, we see all these opportunities and know who to take it to, the more we get involved with it, the more we learn. And the more they're looking at those other opportunities, other people are sharing with us the opportunities they see that we specialize in. And so it's like the more eyes looking out, the more that comes back to us individually. And that's the awesomeness of networking and building your own community is that if you drive the same streets every day, you only see those things. And even though the more streets you drive, if you have 20 other people out driving around, you know, that's 20 other things that have the opportunity to come in your way. I'm looking for a blue house that has a door that's red with three light. It just it also comes to the specificity of your marketing of what you're looking for. And understanding those things but to get to the northwest action summit is it's nwactionsummit.com yeah. yeah so it's also on facebook group so it's may 19th and 20th and we'll give you a qr code or link to that you can put in the notes okay yeah what did i say it'll be right here Right there. I'm not that fancy yet. Uh, <laughs> it's just the, you know, I couldn't do that. I know that for sure. That? Oh man. I was just awesome. feeling accomplished that I was able to make a QR code. I'm like, <laughs> I know. It's exciting when you were like, oh, you get to scan it. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. No, and anyone listening, it's just it's a really the lineup is great, really diverse, like you guys were saying. And I just I think this I sometimes I wonder, is it just Portland? I feel like it's such a supportive, abundance-minded community. And I don't know if that's, I don't know other REI communities. I feel like especially like that in Portland. And I don't have you guys experienced this other places. I yeah, like I actually have, I have like 5,000 friends on Facebook intentionally and just a ton of other markets. And they're all over from the Midwest of Florida, California, Arizona, up into Pennsylvania and that whole area. Like everybody I know who is in real estate has a community that is just so eager to learn and share and, and be a part of it. The people who are not, they hide in the corner and you just don't hear from them. And so everybody that I know that's doing it is just exposing more people and bringing more people into the community and which just brings more deals and brings more opportunity and more awareness. So it just seems like this never ending growth cycle, which is just awesome. So. There's yeah. no cap in this either. There's we talking about people being scared of competition and everything. There's no cap into what type of deal could be manufactured next or created next. Or it's like we're sitting in here with midterms and short terms and like all of these and seller financing and all of these things that a lot of people don't even realize what's the next thing going to be. What is, what's the next, what's the next big thing going to be in real estate investing? It's like this industry is constantly innovating and constantly figuring out the next thing, you know, as far as investing in either a, a asset class or a, a type of rental, like short term and things like that, like it's unlimited. So what's going to be the next big thing? <laughs> It's so true. And I think as the market changes, things can't resurface on there. I think this is an opportunity, right? So expose yourself to as People much get as more creative. Can. Creativity definitely comes out in times like this. People think people are intentionally are forced out of the box that they've been in comfortably for the past 10 years. And it's, it's like, okay, we clearly need to pivot here, but what into what? Let's, because there's a million different ways to buy something, fund something, find it, fix it up, rent it, whatever. It just need to put the next two pieces together. <laughs> yeah, no, it's exciting. I think, and you, but you have to, like, to your point earlier, you have to know what those opportunities are and how to put that together. Yeah. 
therefore go to events network yeah it's definitely I can attest like I went last year I'm excited to be pres- I feel really honored this year I get to talk about something I'm really passionate about and just hear all the everyone else so I'm really excited I don't know if to yeah, travel and book a hotel <laughs> what was that we're excited to have you. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no, I'm really flattered. Just to wrap it up, I was, I think we've covered this, but, and obviously I'm going to include in the show notes, like how to the website links and all that top, and this is I have a big question, top business or life advice to live life on your own terms. Either one of you can take that. Let's see. Um, Get out of your own way. <laughs> Some aspects. Mm-hmm. <laughs> People think it takes all this massive knowledge and massive amounts of money. What it really takes is a willingness to try something new and just that taking those next action steps, take, taking that one little step, you know, how, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Like, how do you network with a thousand people? Like one person at a time. So take away the big picture. We have this 10 year vision, but we don't work with a 10 year vision in mind. We work with three months in mind. And so it feels very scary. People so want to be in their comfort zone, cuddled up on the couch, watching their favorite show, but that doesn't get you anything different. What gets you different is having a one conversation a week with someone new, one conversation with someone who's doing things that you want to do, reaching out to that, that one next person. One person a week is 52 people. One deal a month after five years, or, or I'm sorry, doing one rental a year in five years is five rentals. Five rentals could be $2,000 a month to $10,000 a month, depending on what kind of numbers and stuff you want. I'm not sure what <clears throat> five years of work and it t- turns into $5,000 a month of passive income. I think that would affect most people probably 95% of people so much so that they, they could almost quit their day job. And that's just five years and one deal a year. So it's in reality, a pretty simple task to do, but so many options. So just t- taking some action, taking accountability for yourself and responsibility for, for figuring out what actions to take and what goals you want out of your life. Yeah. And the flip side of the build, build up, build on of that is the action, start being consistent with it. If you're going to take the action to go out and network, then do it consistently. Go out once a month, go out twice a month and do make those connections and everything, or they analyze one deal a day, do those things and build upon that. Cause that's what goes back to Kurt's raindrop analogy earlier with that's the thing. Those are the things that build, build on each other. And when you're building on each other, then, you know, you're, it, don't get bogged down on this whole like future plan of everything that's something that, that never materializes because you're thinking too far ahead. It's like you're doing the one thing each and every day and that's building and it's building on each other. And so then you can <laughs> reverse engineer that and judge in the, re- in the reverse, like three months from now, where, what is the action that I put in consistently? And then what has changed between when I started this and now and look back, measure backwards. This is what's up. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, measure, is- measure backwards. I'll like, <laughs> Three months from now, look back and see what you've done and then realize that that's, that's a, an actually better way to gauge your progress than it is to set these goals that are a year or two years, five years ahead of this and always feel like you're falling short. You're actually giving yourself the permission to look back and see how far you've come. And then that's actually much more of a motivating factor than anything else is to see that there's progress and to see that the things that you're doing are actually working. And then that is actually the thing that keeps you doing that and then actually makes you want to build on even more and see what's what else is possible so true and that bar always moves if you're you're never if you're constantly reaching for something out of reach it's who knows when you're going to get it but when you're literally looking backwards to see where your progress is that's a hundred percent more it's a mental shift it's a it helps you mentally it helps you see what progress help you be able to measure things that that are, are working and that aren't working and going from there such good advice yeah and I just will say it's kind of I think it is a muscle too like I am the major introvert and going to networking events I have to drag myself out and every time I go I'm so happy I did it I'm like oh I connected and it's just talking to a few people one-on-one you don't have to talk to a group of 10 people so it gets easier because it's not natural for me but I always connect I think that's the mistake people make is they think they have to go talk to everybody in the room that's just not the case literally you could go meet one person once a month and again, at the end of the, you know, that's 12 people in the first year, you know, you only need to be the one person who's really going to connect with you. But just starting with that is, is, is an amazing growth opportunity.
totally yeah and then you get see familiar faces and yeah it's like you're going to see your friends awesome okay this is a kind of silly question you guys can answer it for each other or individually what is your superpower and how have you guys used it in your entrepreneurial business journey oh geez why are you looking at me first <laughs> Uh, no pressure. Know, analysis, I guess. Nice. <laughs> Possibly on my superpower. I don't know. I'm an extroverted extrovert. <laughs> so when I get worn down, I like to go to the mall at Christmas. So uh, I personally like talking. I like meeting with people in general. So that is definitely something that has been easy for me to bring into real estate is that that. I go to someone else's networking event. I see people who walk in the room that are eyes on their shoes and I don't know anybody here. I just, that cue comes out of the corner of my eye and I'll just raise my hand and wave, say, Hey, how's it going? I know them. And then I like have this group to come to and it's fun for that. I also am an amazing designer. And so as we flip homes, I really have this vision for what houses could be. And so it, it helps me in that analysis side of a lot of those projects. Not just flipping, but like little micro hotels and some of the other short-term stuff and curb appeal as well. So it's just something as, as a contractor, not all contractors have a great vision. And I just happen to be lucky enough to have that vision and also that kind of 3D mind that just sees how it could be from the beginning. I just don't even see the, what a lot of the projects we typically start with. I don't even see them like how they are. <laughs> and they're horrible a lot of times. Yeah. <laughs> That so. no, that that's a really good uh, pairing of being able to build and have because a lot of times they're very it's builder grade. There's that term for yes. a reason. Yeah. <laughs> Never let your contractor pick your finishes. Let's just start with that. <laughs> Except when he's the one, I guess. I don't know. Like this, right. that not doesn't apply to me apparently. Well, so I have he's to out, ask, you do you guys, Jennifer, do you all. agree or do you ever have had debates on finishes and whatnot? Or is it? <laughs> I think the biggest debates that we had was in our own house now that was a project that turned into our house. So. <laughs> I'm like, this isn't a, this isn't just a flip we're selling. So that More was, personal. that was fun. Yeah. Generally, you know, we kind of go through my realtor lens on that um, buyer, what a buyer's going to want or things like that. So that's basically where I where my analysis comes from on that. But then most of the time it works out just fine the way that he puts it together. So aside from our own house, we've relatively <laughs> agreed <laughs> for the most part. So while he's out networking at the mall and everything, I'm analyzing and keeping wheels on behind the scenes. So happy to have him out there doing the connecting most of the time and putting the vision out there. But I think my superpower in some aspect, even though sometimes I don't feel like it's a superpower, it's just keeping the wheels on or keeping things, the details behind the scenes and hey, don't forget about this or got to back this way or like just making sure that other things are functioning and, and progressing while we're running this direction on one side, like making sure all the things that hold the rest of life together. I think oh, that's a superpower. Are still there. <laughs> Those details matter, man. Like you go over budget or you don't have that, whatever you need. It's, yeah, it takes Analyzing. Time. That's another thing of aspect of being a realtor is being able to have the data access and everything. So that's been a big asset and something that I enjoy doing on our end. And I don't like, I don't like, so, so I don't like referring that out at all. I prefer to do all of mine in-house. I love that. That's what you, that's where a project can be successful or not is on a spreadsheet. I hate to say it, but those numbers have to be solid <laughs> to right. a degree. Definitely. Awesome. I think we've already teased this, but I would like to ask, cause I, I think education is important, a book or a podcast or a resource that you'd recommend. It can be the conference again, but I would like to ask. My favorite podcast is Real AF. <laughs> Andy Priscilla. It's a lot of personal accountability. God, so many books, like the kind of a practice of reading daily. So go through a lot of books. It, it's hard. Uh, uh, Outwitting the Devil is probably my favorite book. It really talks about fear, the fear we have with ourselves and with people in general. Yeah. Love it. The one that I just finished a little bit ago was uh, Winning. It's also by Tim Grover. So that's the, his newer one that's come out. Relentless was probably 2013, I think that is that one, that one came out. But it, just the mentality of it, getting out of your own way, just a total overhaul of what winning is and how to accomplish it. I can't really paraphrase it too well at the moment, but it just definitely, it definitely 
was it, it like it was like a 10 the way that he lays it out there's just like 10 different points or whatever but every single point is number one because there's not one point that's more important than the other so again just the constant striving and getting out of your own head and just thinking through things differently to keep you progressing i'm gonna add those to my list thank you <laughs> <laughs> I'm always bottling with that. I have to ask, did you do, he has that program, right? I forget the name of it. 75 hard. Yeah. I got two <laughs> weeks into it. Have you done it? I'm doing it for my third time right now. Oh, so are you? Okay. I started it. I did it for the first time in 2020. I did it almost all the way last time, like a year ago now. And it didn't, I, it just wasn't it's interesting when you have to revamp things age-wise as far as working out and things like that. And that was, that's been a learning curve of mine over the past year, but I'm on day 58 right now of nice. this round. Wow. That's, that's <laughs> impressed. That's like the consistency thing. And it's really, it's evidence to me that the consistency focus really works. And it's just, once you build that habit, once you build that, you talk about the muscle, once you build that, it's just so easy and automatic after that, when you get past that, that pain okay. point. I would yeah. not say easy. <laughs> it's relative, right? It's relative. He's the, the networker on the I, analytical side. I, I haven't done it, but I also live with her who has done it. And <laughs> we are planning a vacation to leave here in a week or so. And we are, it's a driving, we're driving someplace and it's a long <laughs> drive. And we are talking about how we're going to drive there based on the fact that she has to work out twice a day and we're driving. So it's automatic and it's an assumed that it's happening easy is nowhere in in that <laughs> and which goes back to everything we do in life like when people say oh i would do anything to get that like really yeah because this is how it starts right you read a book you take the action you follow it up every day and well, as we're building a new business one of the things is my marketing action it seems so simple like a phone call a post but easy things aren't the things that we feel challenged with. So like that repetition isn't something that, so did I get that done today? No, it was so easy. I could have done it, but I put it off. <laughs> so are you really willing to do anything to get that? Most of the time, the answer is no, Be, being honest with ourselves about it. One of the aspects of it is taking a progress picture. So that's what I was talking about measuring backwards before. Like you, you have the evidence right there. Like you literally can go back to your first day, your day one, and then your day 58, the day 75 and see the evidence that it's working. You see the evidence of the effort that you're putting in. So that's, I don't know. I've always worked out. So it's not something that's <laughs> been, I think a lot of people have that barrier there and everything, but it's just, it makes me feel good. It's like when you sit there and compound those elements and you get the mental and the physical and the psychological, I guess, endorphins from those things that you're doing and that you're checking off those boxes and that you're taking those steps and you're constantly seeing and you're being able to measure your results and everything, then like that's, those are the things that keep you, those are the things that keep you wanting to go forward and you're not as apt to get stuck. You're not as apt to just procrastinate or drop a ball or anything like that because it's okay. This is already working. I mean, I'm seeing the evidence I'm seeing the results. So why would I not do this? It's so true. And you're tracking that and seeing it. No, it's funny. I just realized I heard about that through a carrot conference, which was a networking thing. And everyone was, I had never heard of it, but it was an example of how and I, I did it for a while and it was, but it was, yeah. Oh, the, think, app. <laughs> the app is my, because you like check off the things. And then if you forget to thank God, not thank God checking off the checklist is not one of the requirements or <laughs> I don't want to be screwed. Cause then when you, if you don't check them all off, you go to the next day and you're sitting there literally like the scariest picture ever. <laughs> what happened? Did you fail or did you, or you keep going? And it's, it's just, it's funny to me because it's, yeah, okay, keep going. <laughs> yeah, no, there's a lot of accountability. Yeah, no, and the reading and the inside outside workouts, it's, yeah, I and mean, you're inspiring me. Maybe I get a little slack. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's a mental victory. And then you get to the end of it for sure. Besides the physical things, it's a, it's a mental challenge, is what the actual basis of the whole thing is, not a physical workout mm -hmm. group or anything like that, but it's a mental victory at the end of it. Just and like it really, yeah, it's, it, it, the parallels are, extremely relevant to each other right there so it's it goes very hand in hand <laughs> uh, totally yeah no I'm gonna I'm gonna re I have the app and everything I just kind of <laughs> okay this has been so fun you guys just to wrap up I feel like I, we could talk forever but like how can people find you online again just if you want to mention the conference again and 
um, or how to work with well, you? Or... Our Facebook group page is Invest NW, Invest Northwest. That's where we post all of our events on that. I'm under Jennifer Florence, really on Facebook and Jen E. Florence, I think, two ends on Instagram. I don't really do very much over there though. I'm a Kurt M333, Kurt, all the platforms. So. I will put it in the show notes and I'll link to the conference and everything. Thank you guys so much for taking the time. And I'm really excited. Like, I know I'll see you the four of them, but again, thanks again for doing the conference. I think it's a really just adding to this amazing community that we have. And yeah, I'm really excited about it. So yeah, coming May 19th to 20th. So it's, it's, it starts to get nice, but it's not quite summer yet. It's on the water though. So <laughs> the venue is beautiful, nice backdrop with the river and everything right there. And then we have the Friday evening networking happy hour on the 19th. So six to nine, 10 or whatever. That was really good. It's like a reverse conference. Basically you do come to the happy hour network with people. And then when you see them the next day at the conference, reconnect and yeah. deepen that then. And then the full day conference is nine to six ish doors open at eight on the 20th. So we'll have coffee and everything. And with breakouts, um, Dion McNeely yeah. will be doing a little bit with the find your method. It'll be, it'll be full. It'll be definitely a full day of just inspiration and eyes wide open knowledge. Yeah. And I don't know if you're not if you're in Portland, it's definitely worth a trip. It's a great time of year and it's a great event. So it's a good excuse. So book your ticket. Yeah. It's super easy to get in and out of too. It's on Jansen beach. So it's not, you're not going into downtown or dealing with traffic or parking or anything. They have a full parking lot and everything. It's just easy access and right in between Portland and Vancouver. Yeah. Easy access on the edge of town, so easy access to both Portland and Vancouver. And who doesn't want to just sit there and look at the water anyways? No, I was so, I'm <laughs> usually traveling like an hour for an event, a networking. This was like a conference literally in my backyard. <laughs> it's so exciting. So, thank you guys so much. Yeah, this has been really fun. So thanks for taking the time. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jenna. We appreciate it. Recording. Okay. All right, here we go. All right. I am super excited. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you found it valuable. Please take a minute to hit the subscribe or follow button. It really helps other people find us and share it with a wider audience. We also appreciate five-star reviews. Also, please take a screenshot and tag us on your favorite social platform. We're at Cedar and Porch. The show was brought to you by the Midterm Rental Playbook Course, your blueprint to setting up a successful midterm rental. Learn more at the Midterm Rental Playbook. Dot com link in the show notes.